morning. My name is Josh Byes. I'm the pastor at Calvary Worship Center Langley, but most importantly, more importantly and more permanently, I am a child of God, and I am so happy to be here today to do what is, in my estimation, the greatest thing that a person can do, preach the gospel. Um, and so, but they've only given me 15 minutes, so I better get to it. Uh, telling a preacher he has 15 minutes is like sticking a child in a room, opening a bag of M&Ms, and tell him to eat just one and shut the door. So I'm going to work really hard here. We're going to start. Um, our message today is entitled, Merry Christ Likeness and a Resolute New Year. I'm going to read out of Philippians 2, 3 through 8. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Amen. Lord God, I just pray today that as we open your word, dear Jesus, that you reveal new things to us, dear God, that you speak to us, dear God. I pray that your spirit, O God, at this moment, dear Jesus, will come, will lead this word, will take captive anything that I have to say that is not of you, and will penetrate deep into hearts and minds in this place today. Now, we kind of find ourselves in that weird time of the year it's January 29th, we're, we're halfway between uh, Christmas cookies and baking and eating way too much and making all these resolutions about how we'll never bake so much and eat so much ever again in our lives. And, and, and I, don't, I made a mistake uh, on Boxing Day, which, which for me, seeing as I was an American, I didn't really know what Boxing Day was, but I, I ended up uh, mistakenly at Walmart late at night on Boxing Day, and I don't know if you've ever been to Walmart uh, late at night, let alone been to Walmart any time during the day ever, uh, but it's a quite interesting place. It almost felt like the zombie apocalypse had hit. There was empty shelves everywhere, like heads of chocolate Santas rolling under, uh, under different things. It was like, but it was like this whole world had, had come to this realization that Christmas was over, and we were running as fast as we could away from it. Even in my own, even in my own home, I, I got home the next day. My wife's like, "Hey, maybe we should pack up the tree." I'm like, "Christmas is just over." And, and, and for some reason, there's this there's this tendency for us when Christmas is over to to turn to new and better things in this this new year. And we pack away little baby Jesus in his manger in his box. We put him under the stairs until we're ready to dust him off when he's a full grown man at Easter, and celebrate that he died for us. And I think there's something in this passage in Philippians that, that says something to us. It says, just hold on a second. Don't put baby Jesus in the box just yet. Don't forget Christmas just yet. Because Christ's life is almost as important as his death. That he taught us something in his life that we can use in our lives to be more Christ-like. And what Paul is saying, even from the beginning, he says, don't regard yourself as more than others. Think about others more than yourself. And he says, do just as Jesus did. Humble yourself, let go of yourself, and do what he did. And I'm telling you, that is a really hard thing to do, isn't it? And if Paul is calling us to that, he's calling us to do that day in and day out, to be humble, to lay down ourselves as Jesus did, and to follow after him. 
to see Jesus as an example, and that's what I want us to realize today, is that God is calling us to follow after Jesus. And so I think for us to understand what Paul truly means to follow after Jesus, we have to understand what Paul means by saying that Jesus was obedient even to death on a cross. In other words, he was obedient all the way up to the point of his death and through it. And if Paul says that we are to be like Christ, then we are to be obedient as he was. So who was Christ obedient to? What was he obedient to? And we find that in John chapter 6. It says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You see, this is really important for us to, to understand, that Jesus didn't just come to earth to save us. He didn't. He came to earth because his Father in heaven asked him to do so, and he did it willingly. And and as we read in Philippians 2, he did it by emptying himself. He gave up all of himself to come to earth because his Father requested of it. In John 14, 30, it says, But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Time and time again in the Gospel of John, Jesus says that I do nothing on my own initiative. Now just take a moment and think about that. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who brought into being this earth, but he did nothing on his own initiative. He gave up his will, his dreams, his ambitions to do the will of the Father. And this is the most important part of all of this. He did it because he loved the Father. He didn't do it because he was afraid of the Father or because he felt he had to. He did it out of loving response to his Father. And so when Paul tells us to be like Christ, he's asking us, to, us too, to lay down our hopes, our ambitions, and our dreams for the love of Jesus Christ. He's asking us to love God. He's asking us to do what Jesus did with his life, which is really fulfill the commandments that he said were fulfilled in only two, right? In Matthew 22, when the scribes came, they asked him, he said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments are wrapped up all the laws and the prophets. Doesn't he say that? And Jesus exemplifies that with his life. He loves the Lord God with all his heart, all his soul, and all his mind. He lays down all of his things and takes on those of the Father. And then he loves us, his neighbors, unconditionally. And so this is the thing. We know about Jesus' love, right? We hear about it all the time. He loves us, that's why he came to save us. But it is equally important for us to understand that Jesus came to follow a plan that was not his own. Jesus' life was not his own. He did not live out his own agenda. And that's what God is calling us to do to lay down our own ambitions, to follow after his agenda. And here's the thing. Jesus Christ did this without fail all the time. He did this flawlessly and endlessly. I'm going to read John 15 for you. It says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You see, 
What God is calling us to do, once again, through Jesus' words, is to do exactly as Jesus has done. He says that he loves us just as the Father has loved him. He says he keeps his Father's commandments to abide in his love, and he says we should keep his commandments to abide in his love. And he says that just as I have loved you, he asks us to love others, and he says to stay in that love, we must stay in his commandments, and he says we must lay down our life for our friends. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. See, I believe what Jesus is saying here is he is saying we need to lay down our lives for him. Just as he laid down his life for us, we must lay down our lives for him. It says not so that we can lose all these things and have nothing good. He says, no, in order that your joy may be, that joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. He is saying is that in order for us to truly experience the joy, the freedom, the peace, the love that is in our Father in heaven, we must submit our lives to him. And this is the pattern of biblical discipleship. It is not a confession made, a prayer made. It is opposite to the way that we think and we act so often in our own lives, isn't it? The reality of the situation is, while we are called to follow Jesus, more often we ask Jesus to follow us. Unlike Jesus, where he laid down his life and followed the plan of the Father, we meet Jesus and then we ask him to come along on the ride that we've already predetermined, the path that we have chosen. We ask him to Christianize our life. We ask him to come along with us as we fulfill our dreams and our ambitions. I have a friend, and he's always figuring out new ways that Jesus can do things with him, right? He, he wants to be a race car driver now for Jesus. Everything he does, he has these great major plans, and then he asks Jesus to come along. There's this saying all the time, Jesus is my co-pilot, and it's completely opposite. Jesus is not supposed to be our co-pilot. Jesus is supposed to be our pilot. We are supposed to follow him wherever he goes. We are not supposed to drag him into any area that we decide that we want to Christianize. And that's the pattern of discipleship in the Bible. In Matthew 19, it says, Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. You have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. In Matthew 10, it says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Jesus is saying that in order for us to truly know joy, in order for us to truly follow him, to be disciples, we must leave all of our stuff behind and follow after him carelessly, aimlessly. We must follow after him without any guide. We must follow after him in trust and in love. And why does he ask us to lay down our possessions and our families and our houses? Because he wants us to come to the realization that without him we are, we are in big trouble. He wants us to come to the realization that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our strength, and all our our mind and when we have all of these things in our life we cannot love Jesus with all our heart all our soul and all our mind because we must maintain our possessions we must maintain our houses we must maintain our families but he is asking us to lay all of those things down and trust him love him enough to follow after him recklessly even when it makes no sense and in Luke 5 this is where it just a couple of years ago just blew my mind I read Luke 5, or had it read to me, or preached to me, I don't know how many times, but I read it this time, and it changed everything. In Luke 5, it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. 
And they came and filled the both, both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when, Jesus, when, when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him. And all his companions, because of the catch of fish which they had taken, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Now, for some reason, this day when I read it, I read it in a way that I had never read it before. And it, it, and it hit me so hard. I, at the time, I was an intern or an indentured servant, whatever you guys call it nowadays, at a local church. And I remember I was in the corner and I was reading it, uh, and I was completely alone. And all of a sudden, I was like, I got I to gotta, I gotta ask somebody. I got to tell somebody. So I literally got up and I ran. I ran as fast as I could. And I was knocking on doors trying to find. And I finally found our worship leader at the time, and her name was Theo. And I said, Theo. She kind of looked at me like I was crazy. I said, what happened to all the fish? Just kind of looked at me. I said, what happened to all the fish, Theo? And I don't know if you ever asked yourself that, but I did. Because these men had spent their whole lives, think about it. They were fishermen. It is what they did. They dreamed of a catch like this. This is what they spent all day, every day trying to do, was to come to a place where they got so many fish that they could hardly carry it in. They got so many fish that they had to have other people help them carry it in. This is a miracle beyond miracles. This is what they have been dreaming of their entire life. It is the pinnacle of what they could have happen as fishermen. And they left everything and followed him. They left those dreams, those ambitions, those hopes on the shore to rot. And the Dutchman inside of me screams out, this is ludicrous. You're wasting all those fish. Jesus, just hold on a second, Jesus. If we, if we can gut them, we can clean them, we can dry them, we can sell them, we can fuel ministry for years. If nothing else, we'll have something to eat when we go to the 5,000. For goodness sakes, don't just leave the fish there. But Jesus had something greater for them. And in a moment, in an instant, in a realization that Jesus Christ was Lord of all, they left all of their hopes, their ambitions, and their dreams on the shore to rot, and they recklessly followed after Jesus. And these fishermen that were nothing more than workaday workers began a movement that changed the entire world because they recklessly followed after Jesus. Because they determined that God's plan for them was greater than their plan for them. Because they believed that the God of great imagination could have greater dreams than they could ever dream. That this great thing that they spent their whole life seeking after was nothing in comparison to what Jesus Christ can do. And so many of us, we get caught here in this place. We fall down at Jesus' feet. We recognize our sinfulness. We understand that he is amazing and it seizes us and we stay there. And today, what Jesus, I believe, is asking us to do is to get up from our amazement and begin to follow him. To have the courage to lay down our lives, our hopes, our ambitions, and truly follow after the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's scary. Because in order for us to truly do that, some of us are going to have to change our jobs. We're going to have to make new priorities. We might lose some income. And yes, dreams are going to have to die. 
But Jesus says, even with the rich young ruler, when, he, when Peter asked him, Lord, we have, we have left houses and families. We have left all these things for you. And Jesus says, those who have lost houses and families for my sake, I will give ten times as much in this life and in the one to come, he says. He has so much more in store for you. And I know it's scary, but you've got to do it. Ten years ago, I wasn't following Jesus. I knew Jesus. I went to church once or twice a year. And my brother somehow connived me into going to a Bible study. And at that Bible study, I met Jesus. And prior to Jesus, there was lots of bad things in my life, but there was lots of good things. I thought I had it all figured out. I just needed to make a little bit more money. Once I made enough money, once I got my promotion, once I got all of that, I could make my, my, my life better, my wife better, my marriage better, everything better. I could get a home, and I was a homeowner, then everything would be okay. And I decided that day to follow Jesus. The next month, I went to my job selling cars. I sold 26 and a half cars. I made $15,000. I walked into the general manager's office. He said, Josh, sell one more month like that, and you can have a sales desk position. That's $200,000 a year. That's everything I ever dreamed of. Everything I ever dreamed of. I could get the house that I wanted, the wife that I wanted, the marriage that I wanted. And I looked at him and I said, I'm sorry, I have to follow Jesus. And from Denver, Colorado, I moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, with nothing. Today, I still don't own a home. I rent one. But the marriage that was falling apart is now 13 years tomorrow and growing stronger. I have three beautiful children that I didn't have before. And I am doing something that God designed for me. And if I have somebody would have told me you're going to be a pastor and a preacher, I said, no way, I don't want to do that. But inside God's will, it is beautiful. And I make a quarter of what I could have made there, but I am the richest man in this place today. And the challenge for us is whether or not we'll take a risk with Jesus Christ, and truly, recklessly follow him. And even I, this great spiritual person that I am, I try to take control back all the time. So this year, instead of resolving to lose weight, instead of resolving to make a better family or, or get a bigger house or, or get a promotion, instead of resolving all these things, let's resolve to do something that doesn't change our lives. Let's resolve to do something that, like the disciples did, can change this world. Let's resolve to be followers of Jesus. Let's choose his ways over ours. Let's choose his will instead of our own. Lord God, this day I pray that we can become a people who follow you. Not just a people that know you, dear Jesus. Not just a people who believe in you, oh God, but a people who follow after you, dear Jesus. Recklessly with abandon, dear God, our hearts laid bare that this world might experience and know your love through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna sing a song of response.